Litcast Slovakia, the podcast about Slovak literature in English. Welcome to Litcast Slovakia number 10. The first nine episodes of our podcast have focused on prose, so it's only fair to devote the next two installments to poetry. I'm Julia Sherwood, and my guest today is James Sutherland-Smith, a poet and translator based in Prešov. He has lived in Slovakia on and off since 1989 and taught English at the University of Prešov until his retirement in 2018. James has published several prize-winning collections of his own poetry and has established himself as one of the foremost translators of Slovak poetry into English. Hello James, welcome to the virtual studio Oblitka Slovakia. I hope you're well today. Ah, hello, how are you? Fine. <clears throat> I hope I'm, you're well too. I'm fine too. Let me start uh, with a standard biographical question. Uh, how did you end up in Slovakia and what made you spend almost half of your life there rather than in one of the many other countries you have lived in? Um, well, in um, 1986, um, I uh, thought I'd uh, get out of the Middle East where I was working. Uh, I mean, it was well paid, but uh, rather soul-destroying work. Uh, but then, uh, just as I was going to do my master's in the University of East Anglia, um, I got a, an, uh, an offer I couldn't refuse to work in Gatar. So I went there for two years. And at the end of the two years, I was, uh, I'd really forgotten I'd got a place to do an MA at the University of East Anglia, but they sent me a sent me a letter saying, do you still want your place? And I said, and uh, as I was up to renew a contract, I decided that um, actually I'd go to East Anglia. And uh, so that was from 88 to 89. In the spring of 89, I was wondering what I would do when I got my master's. And there were loads and loads of jobs in, offered by a British council in Eastern Europe. And I applied for a number of them. And I actually got two jobs, offered two jobs, one in Russia and one in uh, the then Czechoslovakia. So I did a little bit of research, mostly for travel agent, <laughs> and decided that um, I would be better fed in Czechoslovakia. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I ended up in Prussia. Um And then... Uh, Eight weeks after I arrived, uh, Czechoslovakia kindly organized a revolution. And then the following year, I met my wife and stayed here. That's it. Now, uh, your, your wife, Viera, uh, is credited as your co-translator in most, if not all, of your published translations. And uh, since I also co-translate with my husband, Peter, who you may hear sneezing in the background, uh, I'd love to hear how that process works in your case. Can you say a few words about how you translate together? For the, the first um, uh, anthology, Not Waiting for Miracles, the first 
first uh, co-translator was um, uh, Stefania Allen, who was a Slovak um, lady who married to uh, uh, the first uh, creator of an English language textbook way back in the 1940s, um, Bill Stannard Allen. And she was actually Branio Hockel's uh, aunt. Uh, but then as the anthology went on um, and we added women poets, um, Vera started to um, uh, also translate. Uh, it was a rather time-consuming process in those days to uh, send texts to uh, uh, England uh, because uh, Stephania lived in, um, in Guildford. So uh, uh, Vera was the base translator for, the, for women poets. Um, and how do we do it? Well, uh, in those days, as my Slovak was very, very limited, um, she did basically a base translation, and, uh, mm -hmm. which is what uh, Stefania did. And then I sat down with the text and uh, uh, a, a rather limited translation dictionary and uh, then puzzled out um, uh, what might be uh, the uh, most poetic versions and as accurate as possible. Um, I, I seem to kind of have a, an instinctive feel of what the poet was uh, trying to say. Uh, I, I generally write my own poetry through uh, sound and then I, I would say this Slovak um, originals to myself and then some I guess intuited or um, had a psychic link with the poet I'm not sure <laughs> um, but the base translation and then I work on my own uh, and uh, that's how we that's how we went on for the, the first few years and then later on I became much more independent and uh, uh, Vera basically was checking my translations. And then uh, most recently, say with Maria Ferencu and Hova and um, with uh, uh, Mila's second uh, selection in Britain, I've virtually done all the work on my own and then um, put them out uh, for correction. And of course, that's still necessary because I still make uh, rather silly mistakes. <laughs> Except um, these days, uh, my uh, adopted daughter Katerina has taken over. Basically, um, uh, all, I, all I need is someone to, to check uh, the absolute sense of what I've translated. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Thank you. Now, uh, you said in an interview, uh, on a quote, when I arrived in Czechoslovakia in 1989, I discovered that very little Slovak literature, especially poetry, had been translated into English. I set about trying to remedy this. And you have certainly done so and spectacularly. By my reckoning, and I have probably missed some, you have translated or co-translated over a dozen Slovak poets and have at least 13 collections by individual writers under your belt. And on top of that, you have contributed to eight anthologies. So what I'd like to ask is, do you choose the poets to translate yourself? 
And if so, do you pick authors whose sensibility or style is similar to your own? Or are you attracted by contrast? And also, is there a Slovak poet who has especially affected or inspired you? Well, in the in the beginning, Branio Hochel, uh, being an alpha male type, um, uh, uh, chose the poets. But then I uh, insisted on women poets, but he and he chose those, except Stanka Chrobakova, who I decided to put in myself because I'd been to a couple of events with her and uh, liked her style. Um, and then uh, after that, it's uh, actually more or less um, uh, uh, seeing uh, who is um, prominent, uh, meeting poets, and uh, um, also reading poets, and uh, choosing uh, what I like. So, for example, I was... I, I really liked uh, the poetry of Ivan Lovchik and uh, mm -hmm. and uh, uh, yeah, Ivan Stripka. Um, I've always also uh, tried to insist that there's uh, some kind of gender balance. So I'm always looking for women poets uh, to translate. I, I remember that uh, when uh, Stanka Hrubakova was editing the anthology 100 Years of Slovak, literature. I, again, there was uh, seemed to be a dearth of um, uh, uh, women Slovak poets, so I, I, I insisted on people like um, um, Vatketjova and uh, Masha Halemova. Well, you have actually taken me uh, to my next question, uh, because we are now in uh, August, which is uh, Women in Translation Month. And I was going to focus on two highly acclaimed uh, women poets uh, who you've translated more recently. So I'll start with uh, Mila Haugova. Your translation of her collection Eternal Traffic uh, appeared earlier this year. And an earlier collection of hers that you've also translated, Scent of the Unseen, was published in 2003. Uh, Haugova is undoubtedly a poet of world stature, if proof were needed, she has recently received the very prestigious uh, Vilenica International Literature Prize. Um, well, in the 1990s, um, she published um, two wonderful um, collections. I'm just trying to remember the name. Pralaska and Nostalgia. Uh, and uh, I really love those, uh, the poems in that. But then later on, the more later collections seem to uh, appeal to me much more than that kind of uh, middle period. Right, and so if we move on now to Maria Ferencuhova, mm -hmm. uh, her collection Tidal Events was published in 2018 in your translation, and uh, Maria has been selected for this year's uh, European Writers Tour of the UK, uh, organised by UNIC, the EU Cultural Network. And she was due to appear at the Poetry Society Cafe in London this spring, but because of the pandemic, uh, it's been rescheduled for the 9th of October. Or if it's still not possible by then to hold public events, uh, which we can't do in the UK. I know that that been happening in Slovakia. Uh, uh, it will be held online. Now, so what should English readers who might uh, 
watch this online or who might uh, come to the Poetry uh, Society Cafe event, what should they know about Ferencuhova's work? I would say she's primarily an urban poet, which is um, un unusual uh, in, in Slovakia, which is basically a, uh, a country of uh, small towns. Her collection in Munita, of course, uh, uh, dealt with illness, and she was uh, rather ill from 2015 to, to 2016. And I, I, to my mind, that links with the earlier um, urban dystopian element. So I, I would say very, very contemporary themes, um, a strong line, and also the possibility of lyricism. Now, uh, Ferencová's collection was launched in London jointly with your own collection, mm -hmm. The River and the Black Cat, uh, which was your 13th. <laughs> to those of your listeners who are not familiar with uh, your work, how would you describe your own poetry? Um, well, it has uh, changed. Um... In the uh, right at the beginning, I was uh, tended to be uh, concerned with uh, urban life, and also with uh, since I I travelled uh, to the Middle East with uh, the impact of a very very different culture. Um, I did have um, you know, um, earlier. Um, models uh, such as W.H. Uh, Auden and also uh, a rather neglected poet, although he seems to have recovered his reputation as a poet, that's Lawrence and Durrell, um, whose poetry I loved, and also um, uh, Bernard Spencer. Uh, but now I'm still concerned with the with the impact of uh, of uh, living in a culture which was not originally my own, although now I would probably describe myself as uh, uh, half and half uh, Central European. Um, and also I'm much more concerned with, um, with uh, nature, um, but not, not so much in terms of uh, the uh, European intellectual uh, tradition, let's say, of um, um, someone like uh, Blanchot, which is uh, comes emerges very much out of kind of some sort of dialectic. I'm much more concerned with um, you know, things in themselves and uh, what they might be. So I, I tend to reject reject this. Um, Oh, if there is poetry, then you've got to talk about silence. Or if there is the thing itself, then you've got to talk about nothingness. And if there is life, you've got to talk about death. No, I don't like that. <laughs> so my my, <laughs> my poetry, my poetry is uh, very much concerned with uh, things I sense, things I feel. Uh, uh, the thing in itself, making a poem as a as a uh, a verbal construct which you can take on, the reader can take on their own terms.
in a recent interview with the literary journal Fraktal, you said that uh, the job of poetry is to expand the possibilities of language while preserving its complexity. And then you also said poetry ought to continuously enrich language, enabling it to stay as expressive as possible, to be an adaptable instrument of meaning. Would you say that this also applies to your work as a translator of poetry, this uh, attempt to expand the possibilities of language? Uh, well, no, because um, you're constrained as a translator. Um, I don't believe, uh, I think there was a prominent uh, professor who uh, was on record of saying, uh, talking about translating as a matter of creative infidelity. Um, I try to be as a uh, faithful as possible uh, to the original, um, which uh, doesn't give me um, uh, a license to stray uh, away from uh, what I understand as the meaning of the original. Uh, so the, the task of uh, translating uh, poet, poetry is to try and uh, render the original as faithful, uh, faithfully as possible. Of course, uh, it's not always possible to reproduce for uh, formal uh, poetry in the same way, but um, to do it, do it in the most uh, expressive way, given given the constraints of the, the original. So this is a poetry, but you have also translated some prose. So do you see a fundamental difference between uh, the ways you approach the translation of poetry and prose? Yeah, I find uh, prose uh, translation uh, much more difficult. Um, when I came to tran translate Slovak poetry, I've been writing poetry for well over 20 years. And in a sense, I knew what the poet was trying to say. You know, I, um, even though I, I, I had difficulties in getting a, a literal sense. Coming to a, a, a new uh, poem in, in, in Slovak and also in Serbian, I, I know what the poet is going to say or what, or what the poet wants to say. Whereas with prose, I'm continually surprised. Um, and it's mu a much more laborious uh, process. It's getting easier, but um, uh, with uh, literary prose, it's uh, really um, uh, uh, much more hard work, <laughs> shall we say. Well, you are a poet, so uh, that makes perfect sense, actually. <laughs> yes. uh, to, and to come back uh, to translating women, uh, do you find that uh, being a man poses some additional challenges? Uh, I'm thinking... Uh, for example, of Mila Haugova, a poet whose work very often explores themes related to the female body and, and erotic love. Um, <laughs> well, I, that's uh, straying into a kind of uh, gender version of the Sapia Wharf hypothesis, uh, which is in, impossible to um, uh, possibly to translate. Um, the experience and sensibility of uh, a different gender. Um, I actually don't. Uh, I, I think it is possible to uh, translate women poets. Nobody, nobody's been rude enough to sort of say, "What? 
that uh, I'm being impertinent translating uh, uh, women poets. Um, you know, um, I'm a human being, I'm a highly imaginative one, so I don't think it's uh, uh, a challenge. Um, yeah, uh, and Mila's not exactly um, Sharon Olds in terms of eroticism or uh, Erika Young, so um, I, I, I don't um, find that what she writes is too um, alien or disconcerting. Mm. So it's uh, being a human being first, really. Yes, yes. yes. Mm. Um, just to talk about human beings takes me to uh, human real-life relationships. So the first time I met you in Bratislava, you were also meeting Maria Ferenczuhova. <laughs> so was that to discuss your translation of her poetry with her and how mm. did your collaboration work? She was very um, kind of... Um, modest about uh, English and, and in fact uh, uh, she is a formidable speaker speaker of English and I, as I found uh, when I translated I uh, sent the first versions to her and she was saying no 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 this is wrong this is wrong this is not shit so um, she, she had her own put even at a basic uh, level of uh, literal translation and then uh, just to make sure she uh, sort of said, would, would you mind terribly if Michal Tallow cast an eye over the translation? And he did so, and again, his uh, input uh, was important. So to round off our podcast, uh, can you tell me if we can look forward to more of your own poetry now and also to more translations uh, from the Slovak? Uh, what, what do you have in the works? Um, well, I have a... a collection that a publisher it's been there nearly a year now we haven't responded i suspect that the uh, coronavirus has uh, slowed up his uh, uh, reading um and i you know i'm, I'm still writing away um i would uh, like to finally after many years of promising myself and also uh, uh, sort of hinting uh, to uh, Ivan Strupka that um, we, we, uh, I ought to do a, a, a kind of a selected uh, poems of his in English, which would be a pretty massive uh, book since he, since like Mila he writes an awful lot. Um, but I haven't, I started to get down to it, but then I got distracted by some um, commissioned uh, translations. Whereas uh, uh, translating Slovak poets, you translate first and then look around for somebody to publish them. And they may or may not uh, pay you for that. So I do hope you get on with your translations of Ivan Strepka mm -hmm. and that you find a publisher for it. And uh, thank you very much for uh, coming on this podcast. Uh, what, what, once I finished uh, producing a selection of uh, Strupka's work, I wouldn't mind uh, translating Eva Luca, right? because I, I, I like her work. I look forward to that. I look forward to reading your own poems and more of your translations. And uh, all the best, good luck, and thank you very much for taking time to come to the podcast. Mm -hmm.
Murray. Thank you very much for having me on. Thank you.